He made a decree which shall not pass away. In other words, he's the maker and he's the maintainer of everything. Verse 7, it says, Praise the Lord from the earth, you great sea creatures and all the depths, fire and hail, snow and clouds, stormy wind, fulfilling his word, mountains and all hills, fruitful trees and all cedars, beasts and all cattle, creeping things and flying fowl. And then the psalmist brings up people. He says in verse 11, kings of the earth and all peoples, princes and all judges of the earth, both young men and maidens, old men and children. And so the psalmist, it's a, he says something important for us, you guys. Even in the difficult times, we need to praise the Lord. And we're going to see today there is power in that. And so he says right here, let it all, let them all praise the name of the Lord. And, and let this praise not just be for creation, but even from creation. You know, it's kind of cool how this verse, you know, it's kind of like a verse for the universe, you know, to acknowledge Almighty God as the maker and maintainer of creation. You know, if you think about it, by his power, he spoke it all into existence. He maintains it all by that word. He sustains everything by that same power of his word. I mean, that's all he has to do is speak it into existence and speak it into maintenance. You know, Peter tells us that in Second Peter chapter 3 and verse 5, it says that by the word of God, all heaven and earth were created. And something, you know, we see that in Genesis chapter 1 as well. But then in verse 7 of that same chapter, it says that by that same word, all creation is preserved by God. Uh, for now, we're going to see. And, and so, you know, what the psalmist is saying here is creation uh, should praise him. We don't just praise God for creation. This praise is actually from creation. It's because God made it all by his word and he maintains it all by his word. That's the power he has. It's kind of cool when you look at this, the heavens and all the stars in space, the skies, the angels, even the fighting angels praise him. We see that reference there in verse 2. Um, the, the sea creatures in the deep and in the dark oceans, even the fire, the hail, the storms, the snow, the wind, it all bows down to God. You know, I was reading about some of the trees in California, Sequoia National Park. Some of them are, are thousands of years old. And one of them, they say, is close to 400 feet tall. Imagine that. And, and so it, it, what we find even in the trees, it doesn't matter how tall, they're all lifting their hands to God. What he's saying right here is we praise God. This praise is not just for creation. It's from creation. Now, the psalmist here, he mentions the wild beasts as well as the domesticated animals there in verse 10. And he, not, he talks not only about the flying things that praise God, but even the creeping things as well. And one translation says the small scurrying animals. And so I don't know if that's squirrels or rats or mice or things like that. You know, they're not as bad as you thought. I mean, bottom line is, you guys, no matter what's going on, no matter who you are, God is, is so good, he's so loving, and so powerful that we must, we should, we will benefit in praising him. 
You know, I, I remember when thinking about the creation, a song way back when I first got saved, uh, in the early days of my walk by the Maranatha music uh, uh, people, and this song says, I, I want to praise you, Lord, much more than I do. I want to praise you, Lord, much more than I do. Learn to seek your face and the knowledge of your grace. I want to praise you. And then it goes on to say, birds in the sky sing their songs to you. Trees in the field lift their arms to you. I want to sing. I want to lift my arms to you. You know, and it's kind of cool that that psalm, that, that song, it's beautiful. We should do the same thing. We should raise the praise. And we're going to see that in our next psalm, uh, Psalm 149, how we should be joyful and enthusiastic in it. But here, what we're doing is we're pondering the praise from creation. It's more than the music uh, that we sing. It's the stars that shine. It's the angels that minister and fight. It's the trees that stand in adversity as they lift their hands. It's the trees that, that bear fruit. It's the, the birds, if you think about it, they sing every single day and, and they don't worry about you know the lines at Sam's or Costco. They know that they'll have food uh, because they know they have a Heavenly Father who will take care of them. He will give them what they need always, every day. We can count on Him and that's why we praise Him. You know, that's what Jesus said. Remember that passage in Matthew 6, 25 through 27. He said, Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what will you put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Here's something really important. Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? Now, I've always been fascinated by that verse. It's like Jesus is saying, like, when, when you, if you didn't worry, you'd be 18 inches taller, something like that, because a cubit is a length from here to here. It's about 18 inches. And so I have a hunch. Here it is. I have a hunch that if you're a worrier, that it stunts your growth thought about that so I could have been an NBA basketball player if I didn't worry you know I could be 18 inches taller um, but of course we know the Lord is not speaking about physical uh, stature he's talking about spiritual stature here and, and I know even with all that's going on I got hit a couple of times you know the news it's not getting any better from man's perspective things are going to get worse we're going to hear it but it doesn't matter what they throw our way. We have nothing to worry about because we have our Heavenly Father. And when that really hits home, you know, we're going to grow. That, I think that's what Jesus is saying right here. Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? In other words, if we don't worry, we're going to grow. And I know uh, we are, we're going through things a lot of us here might even be worrying, not for me, but for others. Listen, God loves them more than you do. And so we praise him. We praise him. We, we must praise him. Job praised him. We must praise him, whatever is going on. How, how important it is uh, to praise him. 
Notice again what we read in verse 11 and 12. He says, Kings of the earth and all peoples, princes and all judges of the earth, both young men and maidens, old men and children. You know, I mean, here we read uh, of all people praising the Lord, but especially the leaders. Now, I thought that was interesting. Why especially the leaders? Because obviously they lead people and people are God's most precious commodity on planet earth. So leaders, when they praise God, then the people will be blessed. And that's what we read. If you read in 1 Timothy 2, 1 through 4, it says that we're supposed to be praying for all people, but especially leaders. Because as they learn uh, about the Lord and they fall in love with God, then that will lead to a peaceable life. Many more will be saved. And so we pray for our leaders to praise the Lord. And leaders lead. They're influential, even in things that are spiritual. You know, I was thinking about our president and how he declared a national day of prayer. And it's so cool uh, just knowing some politicians and knowing people in those prominent places that are Christians that are influencing people with the name of Jesus. And so continue to do that. Because leaders influence either for good or for bad. And so here's the thing. If kings and princes and judges praise the Lord, it's going to be a blessing to all the people. And he mentions, you know, uh, the men, the women, the young, the old, and even the children here, how they praise the Lord. And so verses 1 through 12 we just went through is really just praising God for creation, uh, praising God from creation. But then there's this word after creation. The second word is exaltation. Because notice what you read next in verse 13. It says, Let them praise the name of the Lord, for his name alone is exalted. His glory is above the earth and the heaven, and he has exalted the horn of his people. And so you see there in verse 13 how his name alone is exalted. And then in verse 14, how he has exalted the horn of his people. And so we praise him, uh, creation. We praise him in exaltation. We read specifically here of his name. And we're going to touch on that reality in just a second. But, you know, not only is God exalted, but he has exalted his people. It says right there, the horn or power of his people. And so here's the thing, Christians, you have to realize this. I pray you would understand that you are exalted. You are a powerful people. And and that's why we praise him for his loving nature and his wonderful name. I I love Proverbs 18.10. It says, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run to it and are saved. And so, you know, we, we, we run to the, to the name of the Lord. And, man, I encourage you one day when you have some time, you know, get a good book about the names and titles of God and you run to him because this is who he is. I mean, El, Elah, Elohim, El Shaddai, it means God Almighty. El Roy, it means God who sees. El Elyon, it means God Most High. You know, Yahweh, as he revealed himself in Exodus chapter 3 and Exodus chapter 6, you know, it it means that God is the self-existing one, self-sufficient one. God is I am. He is 
whatever we will need. You know, when you look at the compound names of God, you have, for example, uh, Yahweh Jireh, which means the Lord will provide. Uh, Yahweh Rapha, uh, it means the Lord who heals. And we need that healing right now. And Yahweh Shalom, when he brings healing, it's so cool how he brings peace. So run to his name. What is it that you need? Run to him. His name is exalted, and, and we, we have this promise for us. You know, I was even thinking, of course, in the New Testament of the name of Jesus, and how we read in Philippians 2, 9 through 11, it says, Therefore God has also exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of those in heaven and of those on earth and of those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. You know, and, and, and when you read here in the Psalms, it's interesting how it says His name alone is exalted. But then in the New Testament, you have the name of Jesus as the name above all names. And so we know that Jesus, His name means uh, Yahweh is salvation. And so um, we find peace in that. You know, not, I don't want to freak anybody out with this, with this virus, you know, but, you know, we see what's going on. You know, we see the reality of the percentages that are rising higher and even the mortality rate. Now, nothing's really changed, and we've always never had tomorrow guaranteed, but not to strike fear into anyone, but just the reality check is, you know, none of us knows. And so we have to know that we're saved. We have to confess Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. You know, that's why, you know, we're running to Him. We run to His name. Jesus, come into my heart. Jesus, be the Lord of my life. You know, this morning I was spending time with the Lord and I was just thanking Him for saving me. You know, I remember the day that I did not know the Lord. I didn't understand spiritual things. I was so lost. I was so... Uh, so much in bondage to all the addictions and all the things that the world has to offer. And then one day Jesus Christ came into my life and he saved me. And, and what we do when we get saved is we run to him. We run to his name, Jesus, the one that was nailed to a cross for us. You know, what we see in this passage right here is so interesting. The exaltation of his name and, and the exaltation of his people. It says right here that he has exalted the horn of his people. And what that is in reference to, whenever you read the Bible and you read about horns, horns are in reference to strength, dominion, power, and authority. And for us as Christians, it's not that we necessarily have authority over people. No, that's the way the world thinks. And Jesus talked about that in Matthew 20, 25 through 26. That, that's the mentality of the world. It's not that we have authority over uh, people. It's that we have authority over demons. He has exalted the horn, the power, the strength, the dominion of his people. We have that victory over all forms of opposition because of our position in Christ. Remember what Jesus said in Luke ten nineteen: Behold, I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. 
So, so think about that passage for a second. I mean, the Lord has given us authority to trample over the enemy. Not just squeak by, but fly. Not just, I'm not going to drown, but I'm going to walk on water. It's going to be under my feet. This is why we praise him. It's so cool when you read that right there. You know, I don't know if I, I saw a snake in person. I, I might run the other way. But, you know, as far as a spiritual battle goes, we have nothing to be afraid of. You know, this, this whole thing that's going on, the enemy, you know, he'll strike fear into our hearts. But we have to know who we are in Christ. You know, we praise him, you know, for creation, from creation. We praise him. In, in exaltation. And it's interesting there, that passage in Luke, it says that nothing by, shall it by any means hurt you. The NIV translates it differently. It says that nothing will harm you. And this is what I found in life, you guys, is that we get hurt a lot. You know, we go through a lot of pain in life. I've learned that. So, you know, there's a lot of things that are going to hurt us. But as Christians... Nothing harms us. And what that means is that nothing takes us out of God's hands and God's plans. And there we find peace. Because God is for us. Because God lives in us. Because Jesus is with us. You know, the Bible says in Matthew 28, 18 through 20, Jesus came, spoke to them, saying, All authority, there it is again, has been given to me in heaven and earth, Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And so what happens as Christians is, in one sense, we're exalted because he's exalted. And he is with us. Who's with you? Jesus, the one who's been given all authority in heaven and on earth. And so our power here is in the perpetual presence of the person of Jesus Christ. And so I find peace in that, you know, and, and I praise him for that. Thank you, Lord. You know, we praise the Lord uh, for and from creation. Number two, exaltation. And then number three, salvation. Because notice what you read there in verse 14. It says, The praise of all his saints, of the children of Israel, a people near to him, praise the Lord. And you have that word saints, you know, and that's kind of a, a, a weird word, but that's Israel, that's us. We're saints. And it says right here that we are near to him. We who are wretched, warped, and wicked on our own are near to him who is holy, holy, holy. And, and what that is is salvation. What that is is that God has broken the barrier between us. What that is is God has defeated the devil and the power of sin that separated us from God. And now we are near him. It's interesting. Here we read of Israel. Deuteronomy chapter 4 verse 7. It says, For what great nation is there that has God so near to it as the Lord our God is to us for whatever reason we may call upon him. You know, I mean, what we find right here is that Israel, when you look at this, the Lord has established a relationship with him 
that is that was so near, so close, that for whatever reason, you know, hey, Lord, you know, I, I'm funny how sometimes we'll pray for a parking spot, you know, and and we'll be, uh, you know, driving through, and my wife, you know, will get a good spot, and she'll say, thank you, Jesus. I mean, you know, you might think that's small and insignificant, or we've prayed for, you know, lost keys, and we've prayed for, you know, a lot of different things, dogs and that are lost, and it's so cool. Whatever is heavy on your heart, whatever's going on, whatever the situation is, nothing's too big and nothing's too small. That That's the God that we have. What type of people, man, we're so near that we can call upon him for anything. That That's Israel. It's interesting. Of course, we know it applies to the church. But it's interesting. In the book of Ephesians, Paul applies it to the Gentiles. And it says in Ephesians 2, verse 13, But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Jesus. And that's important for us to know. You know, we were at one time lost on that slippery slope without hope, so far from God. But now by the blood, notice that, not your behavior, by the blood, we've been brought near to Christ. We're reconciled and we're saints. You know, and I know um, I was reading a little bit about the whole process from the Roman Catholic Church and how to be canonized as a saint. And uh, it, it's a lengthy process. It's kind of a weird thing. But that's not what the Bible teaches. It teaches. As a matter of fact, 64 times in the New Testament, Christians are called saints. And it's just a word in the Greek. It's hagios. It means holy, that we're saved and we're set apart for God. And so Psalm 148 is cool how it, we just praise God uh, from for creation, exaltation, and salvation but then psalm 149 is cool there, it kind of dot divides up into two things number one uh we praise god it's praise to god that is joyful and then number two that is powerful because look what you read here psalm 149 it says praise the lord sing to the lord a new song and his praise in the assembly of the saints let Israel rejoice in their maker. Let the children of Zion be joyful in their king. Let them praise his name with a dance. Let them sing praises to him with a timbrel and harp. For the Lord takes pleasure in his people. He will beautify the humble with salvation. Let the saints be joyful in glory. Let them sing aloud in their beds. And so, um, how do we praise? Did you did you notice? I don't know if you noticed the joy of this psalm, the joy here. I mean, it's not mellow music. Uh, we see those words rejoice and joyful in verse two. In, in verse three, we have uh, the word dance and the word timbrel. That's why I was so glad that Ariana had the um, the the timbrel, the tambourine. You know, uh, we have to have our dance now um, when we close in the last song. Oh, yeah, pressure's on for me. I got to start dancing. Joyful, rejoice, timbrel. I mean, dancing. In verse 3, the, the word joyful again. And, and he uses the word aloud. You know, there's a place. I have on my music a playlist. Um, Henry was talking about playlists. I, I know what playlists are. I have a playlist. It's called Soft Worship. And there's a place for that. Sometimes you kind of need that soft worship in the background. But there's also a great place for joyful worship. 
And I have a hunch, here it is, that if we were more joyful, then we would be more powerful. I just have a hunch in that. It's kind of like all the introverts, like me, we just need to be set free, you know? How we do this praise, we do this with joy. Where and when? Well, it says right here that we are to do this praise in the assembly, verse 1. And this is us doing it together in person. I can't wait for that day again. But, but most importantly, together in heart. And so the assembly of the saints, this is where and when we do this. But it's interesting that the context is probably the praise of the body. But he also noticed that we do this in our bed. And that's interesting. Not just the meeting room, but the bedroom. Not just when we go to church service, but when we go to bed at night. And even in the morning before we ever get out of bed, we should praise the Lord. That, that's what we read there in verse 5, that we are to praise the Lord at that time. It's interesting, if you would look again at verse 2, that we praise our Maker, but also we praise our King. Now, this one kind of caught my attention today, you guys, and I'm going to share something that's kind of heavy, and hopefully I don't freak anybody out. But, um, you know, Jesus is coming back the second time as the King. Now, now, right now in our life, there's a throne on our hearts. You know, and who sits on that throne? Hopefully it's Jesus, because that's where he belongs. Because he's the king, and there is this kingdom of God that's taking place right now. But he's coming again. And, and what we're waiting for, kind of like, is to crown him king. Now, again, I don't want to freak anybody out. I don't want to be weird or anything. But um, we have to be ready. The, the coronavirus, corona, it, it means crown. You know, and I'm not saying this is it, but when I, when I thought about this, Lord, you're coming back as the king. It's time to crown you. I thought, I, I wonder if God is just saying, hey, this is what's happening. I'm returning as king. And, and so... Again, not to be weird, no man knows the day or the hour, but I believe that this could be, um, man, just the beginning of sorrows. And, and so we need to be ready for this, you guys. You know, in our hearts, there's that throne, and Jesus needs to be the shot caller. We need to crown him as the king of our life. Why? Notice what we, again what we read in verse 4. This is so beautiful how he takes pleasure in his people, how he delights in us, how he will beautify the humble with salvation. You know, why do we praise him? I mean, there's so many reasons, but what we find right here is so cool. You know, it's hard to take in sometimes, but we need to do our best to rest in the fact that God takes pleasure in us. He takes pleasure in his people. Why? Because we are his bride. We are his beloved. We are the apple of his eye. He actually delights in us. And from his perspective, we are beautiful. That's what this verse teaches. 
Now, I don't know how you guys feel, if you think you're beautiful or not. Some of you, maybe you do, um, but I'm not talking about the outside. I'm talking about the inside. I don't know. A lot of times I struggle with that, you know? I mean, I sometimes act ugly. I feel ugly, but I need to know this passage here in Psalm 149, verse 4, that in its eyes, I'm not ugly, that I'm, that I'm beautiful. Why? Because I've humbled myself to say that I need you, Jesus. I believe you died for me, rose again. Be the Lord and Savior of my life. And as you humble yourself, God sees the beauty of his son over you. You see, and that's all it takes for God to take pleasure in us. And that's why our praise is joyful. And so verses 1 through 5 is this praise to God that is joyful, which leads to verses 6 through 9, this praise to God that is powerful. Notice in verse 6, Let the high praises of God be in their mouth and a two-edged sword in their hand to execute vengeance on the nations and punishments on the people, to bind their kings with chains and their nobles with fetters of iron, to execute on them the written judgment. This honor have all his saints. Praise the Lord. And so, you know, when you look at this right here, um, this is basically a time Israel was in war. Israel was being attacked by the enemies of the Lord, nations, no doubt that were influenced by the devil who has always opposed the Jews, knowing that they're assigned to society. You have that word vengeance there in verse 7. I mean, it's not Israel on the offensive being unnecessarily aggressive. It's not something they're doing without provocation. And as we touched on the truth earlier, but, but because of the fact that they're God's people, we've already touched on the fact that there's this praise that is joyful. Now you have a people that are powerful, and they will rage and wage and win war. You know, it can apply to us militarily as a country, but I also see it as something that happens uh, spiritually. If you read Mark three twenty-two through 27, it talks about how Jesus would, would bind the enemy. And he says that we can bind the enemy and then we can plunder his goods, meaning that we can pray for people, that they would be delivered from you know, demonic possession or oppression. And so when, when this joy, this praise is joyful, then I believe that we experience this life, this praise that is powerful. And I don't know about you, but that's what I want in my life. We are living in days where this is what we need in life. And so we see uh, the last psalm. I can't believe we're actually here. 150 psalms. Notice in, in verse 1 uh, where uh, we praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty firmament. That's the heavens. Why do we praise him? For his mighty acts in verse 2. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. How do we praise him? Verse 3. We praise him with the sound of the trumpet. Praise him with the lute and harp. Praise him with the timbrel and dance. Praise him with stringed instruments and flutes. We praise him with loud cymbals. We praise him with clashing cymbals. And then who praises him? In verse 6, it says, Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. 
Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Everything that has breath. And so, you know, in going through the Psalms, um, I thought it would be cool even to close. Let's all take a deep breath. Who gave you that breath? God did. And we praise Him. And, and one day, you know, maybe our breathing on this side of time will be over. That's okay, because then our next breath will be in glory. And, and we praise Him. We will praise Him. You know, air, I was thinking about air, 78% uh, nitrogen, 21% oxygen. Can't live without it, right? And, and He's the one that gives us that. We can't live without Him. And that's why we praise Him. Not only has He given us physical life, but He's also given us spiritual life. He's breathed on us. I was thinking of John chapter 20, verse 22, how it says how He breathed on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. And so for you, uh, for us as Christians, for people who are are watching, I'm not sure where you are in, in your life. You know, if you're watching, obviously you have physical breath for sure. You know, God's given you life. There's a heart that's beating. Praise God for that. But you want more than that. You want the breath of life. Have you truly, totally surrendered your life to Jesus Christ? I tell you what, these are not days to play church. These are not days to put one foot in and and one foot out. You want the breath of life. And then as Christians, you want the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's the breath that just that rushing wind in Acts chapter 2 that God wants to bring us to that place, man, where there's power. You know, we find ourselves living in some crazy, chaotic days. I mean, I never would have thought that we'd be experiencing something like this. You know, but we're living right in the middle of it. You know, we don't know uh, what's going to happen. And so I believe as a pastor... I have to tell you this. I have the responsibility to tell you this, that you need to be ready. We need to be ready. Even as Christians, we need to be ready. First John 2, 28, it says, Now little children abide in him, that when he appears, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. If you don't have that breath given by the blood of Jesus, then I pray you'd cry out to God, and, and tonight, you know, we're even here for you tonight, man. Maybe you can message us on our church Instagram account or Facebook uh, page or even contact us uh, via email or phone call or, or something like that. Or maybe you're out there and you know a Christian that you can call up and say, Hey, I received the Lord today. I rededicated my life to God. You know, because he's all we need, praise God for that, but even God uses people, tools, instruments in his hands to help us in our walk as Christians. And so for us as Christians, uh, we finished the book of Psalms, and uh, it took a long time, two years and five months. And so I was thinking, you know, um, for me, now what, Manny? Well, now you're accountable. I mean, you, for me especially, huh? Not only did I hear it taught, I taught it. I went through all these psalms. We didn't fly by them. We went in depth. And God has really spoken to my heart. And he says, Manny, you have to praise me now. You have to praise me more than you've ever praised me. Because you taught the book of Psalms. 
But that's for all of us. And so how do we praise him? How do we praise him? Well, from tonight's study, I'll kind of gather a couple of things from there. Sing like a bird. Shine like a star. Stand like a tree. Fight like an angel. But more than anything else, trust like a child. Because our Father will protect us. He'll provide for us. And He will keep us through all the chaos that we will ever face.